her spontaneous prayer is this beautiful, theologically rich, sophisticated uh, song because of of a, a renewed focus, not on the perils of her situation, but on the potential that God has for her and the goodness of God. Hey everyone, welcome to the Destiny Leaders Podcast. We're so thankful that you joined us today. Um, we are in uh, December, the Christmas season, and uh, I'm excited that our guest today is someone that you know very well, and it's uh, Landon Galloway. Landon is the director of Destiny Leadership Institute and does some amazing things with, not just with VLI, but with Destiny itself. Maybe you've seen him speak at the conferences, maybe you've seen him speak at the Connect events, and um, Landon does an incredible job in ministry in every aspect. He's also uh, a campus pastor at Grace Tumball, um, there for Grace Church in Texas, and we're so, so thankful that you're on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your heart, Landon. All right. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure when we get to see each other face-to-face on Zoom like this and have conversations. So looking forward to talking for a bit today. Yeah, sure. We thought that, you know, obviously it's Christmas season and today we could hop in and talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you're thinking through as far as uh, maybe some scripture. One of the great things about DLI is helping people to understand scripture um, within context and um, maybe some in a different light than what we've studied or seen before. And so um, we'd love to jump into a little bit of maybe some of the thoughts you have on the Christmas story and in the Christmas season. We know that it's a, a joyful time of time of celebration. And, you know, uh, as as we speak, both of our churches are getting ready for some of our Christmas services and and uh, we've probably all been to Christmas parties. And talk to us a little bit about uh, what you're studying. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Amos. Cued that up very nicely. I uh, I love this time of year for many reasons, all the festivities, all the joy, the celebrations. But as a pastor or a communicator, speaker, it's one of those challenging times of the year because how many ways can you tell the story? Like there were wise men, there were shepherds, there was an angel, they saw a star. I mean, it's it's like for most of the year, we go through this entire catalog of scripture and go, well, what do we want to talk about? Uh, and this time of year, it's like, well, we know what we're going to talk about and we've got to talk about it uniquely. <laughs> and so I've been, I always try to look at the story through fresh eyes because it is obviously the greatest story ever told that God came down, that if you watch the trajectory of scripture. I mean, just think about the billions that were spent in the recent past where, um, where, uh, they tried to go to space on a rocket, right? And so they defied, like trying to get to the heavens and then for uh, all that effort to get there, then for no good reason other than his love for us, Jesus made the opposite trip and left the heavens to come to us. So it's just this incredible story and there's a cel- and there's celebration and there's uh, reasons to rejoice and uh, follow la 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 and happiness. But then, on the other side of that, there's this tension because we we don't live in this always joyful, peaceful, hopeful world. So we say things like, you know, Jesus is joy, Jesus is hope, 
Christmas reminds us uh, joy to the world. Our hope is here. Emmanuel, God is now with us. He's moved into our neighborhood, so to speak. Uh, so all these lofty ideals of what happens at Christmas time, then faced with the reality of some of our brokenness now. Uh, I believe this is why we cannot forget that the church has traditionally celebrated the season of Advent, which is the expectation of coming. And it doesn't just anticipate or celebrate the first coming. It also anticipates the second coming. Mm -hmm. So there's this dual idea that we celebrate that he came, but we're also looking forward to when he will come again. Uh, Theologians refer to this as the now and the not yet. So there are Amazing things that have happened now because the kingdom is now. Jesus brought in the the child born in a manger is the king of the world, and he ushers in a kingdom. That's why Herod tried to kill him. Herod recognized this kingly anointing on him. Um, So Jesus is king, and we are living in his kingdom, but the kingdom has not been fully consummated. That will happen at the second coming of Christ. Uh, what theologians call the parousia, that's happening one day. And so what we're looking for then is, is we're, we're looking for the, the kingdom in full, but we're only experiencing the kingdom in part. So when we think of these themes of Christmas, joy and hope and love and peace, we know them in part. And that's what the Christmas story is trying to communicate, that in part. But then immediately we see, but it's not all the way. So think about the theme of joy, for example. Joy is everywhere in the Christmas story. Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth are told that John will be a great joy to them. Whenever Mary visits Elizabeth with the baby in her stomach, the baby leaps with joy. We're told that the neighbors shared her joy when she finally gave birth after all those years of being barren. Mary is instructed to rejoice by the angel. And her response is, I rejoice in God, my Savior. The shepherds in the field, good news of great joy. Uh, The theme of joy permeates the scriptures, particularly all the messianic accounts. Uh, In the Old Testament, if you read about the coming of the Messiah, people are singing joy, declaring joy, exulting in God. There's this joyful reaction to the coming of the Messiah then we get to the New Testament story and joy goes viral. Everyone's like babies are leaping with joy. They're singing about joy. They're rejoicing. They're told to rejoice. There's so much joy. And you're like, oh my, this is what Christmas is about. It's why we sing joy to the world and the fa la 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 la. And we're just excited and it's joyful and it's great. But then you get to Matthew chapter two and you read where Herod wants to kill baby Jesus and there's an infanticide on a, on a fairly small scale, but yet there are several babies that are slaughtered uh, at, at Herod's request. And we read in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 2, Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. <laughs> fa la 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 la. Rachel weeping for her children, tis a season, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I mean, it's, it's just there's this tension between what literally just happened, so much joy, but then immediately the joy in the world of the world that was presented in the manger, the scene shifts almost instantly to a great scene of despair and hopelessness. And so 
I think what we have to remember in this season of joy is to allow some space for sadness because there is the not yet of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And if you're experiencing a difficult time, if you're experiencing loss, uh, we've spoken about this before. I know you and I have about this, this sense of collective trauma of all that we've been through the last two years as a people, as a nation, uh, as a world. And uh, on top of all that stuff that we're all tired of talking about, you have the normal day-to-day problems. You have the bad diagnosis. You have the financial struggles. You have the strained relationships. Some people are excited to go home for Christmas. Some people are going, oh my God, do I have to go home for Christmas? And some people have no home to go to for Christmas. So there's this, this, there's this uh, joy, yes, joy because Christ has come, but not yet because the kingdom has not yet been consummated. And uh, real briefly, let me just explain this through how Mary chooses to respond to the Christmas story, because I think she gives us two ideas that can help us to embrace joy, even while acknowledging despair, uh, where we can say, yes, joy has come. However, it's not here in full. So if you're going through a season of sadness, or I know many that are listening to this podcast are pastors and leaders, and one of the most difficult things is walking people. I mean, I'm I'm dressed in a suit because I was dressed, I'm dressed for a funeral today. Uh, because yes, it's a joy to the world uh season, but there's not necessarily reasons to rejoice for everyone. So, Amos, let me just give you a couple of thoughts from uh from the Magnificent, which is Mary's song that she sings. We all know the story well. Gabriel appears to Mary, uh, gives her the news that she will conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. Uh, because of our over-familiarity with the story, we tend to think of it in like these like majestic, glorious terms. It would have probably scared her to death. Um, she's 12 to 15 years old. She's unmarried. Uh, she is uh, not a well, she didn't come from a wealthy family. Uh, being mom is hard enough. Uh, imagine being mom to like the mother of God, uh, like like to God being the mother of God. So uh, imagine like, you know, you have young kids. I have young kids. We make mistakes as parents all the time. I know that there are days where I do things that could potentially mess up my kids, right? <laughs> imagine doing things that can mess up God, right? Like how much pressure is that? Like it's hard enough to have the pressure of raising a human, but a human who's also God, like no pressure, Mary. And so she's she's faced with all this tension and pressure. Uh, the the amount of shame that she would have walked in is unfathomable. But the, the embarrassment she would have brought to her dad and to her mom, uh, the, the conversations people would have had about her at Target. Uh, although I don't know that she would have went to Target. Nazareth doesn't seem like a Target town. It's more like, probably like a Walmart town. <laughs> Every time, every now is a Walmart. Uh, I don't think Nazareth would have had a, a Target, probably just a Walmart. But um, the shame she would have had at the store. Uh, th- I mean, there's just all this that's going on. And and she says nothing other than to the angel, let it be to me according to your word, which is a great declaration of faith. But if we're honest, there's a bit of ambivalence there. There's a little bit of like, oh, okay, God, if. Like, I don't know that I want to say yes, but this is an angel of fire in front of me. So I don't feel like I can say no. <laughs> so let me just leave it this way. Let it be to me according to your word. Like if you say it, sure, I'll go along with it, even though I'm not quite so comfortable with mm-hmm. the idea. Uh, and that's all we hear from her until she gets to Elizabeth's house. She journeys a hundred miles 
travels a hundred miles. Think about that while pregnant, a hundred miles hikes to Elizabeth's home. And the very first words that come out of her mouth recorded in Luke 1 46, the famous, magnificent Mary song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Wow. It's worth noting that the Magnificent has actually been banned in some nations throughout history because of its countercultural uh, pull of that Jesus just flipped the world upside down and those who have will have not. And those who have not will have, and uh, that makes political regimes uncomfortable. So it's actually been banned in some places, but what you see here is this, this intentional shifting of perspective because she had every reason. And I'm sure on her hundred mile hike, she would have been asking all those questions we just talked about. My father, how's he going to respond to this? My community, how are they going to respond? I mean, Joseph's never going to believe me. How do I respond? And how she did it, she she did it, uh, showed us two two things she did. She she looked up and she looked out. So whenever you feel the the pull of despair, uh, the the drag of despair. Um, the how can I be joyful in a seat in this season? There's joy all around me, but I'm I'm struggling. Uh, or you're leading someone, you're you're officiating the funeral, you're standing beside the hospital bed, you're talking to someone whose kids aren't coming home for Christmas, or someone spending the first Christmas without a loved one, or a mom or a dad. What do we say to them? The first thing we can say is it, it helps us to look up. Mary did not focus on the problem, on her worries. Instead, she began to worship. Um, she said things like, he is Lord, King of all. He is Savior. Uh, this poor peasant girl delivers a, a robust theological declaration of who God is. Uh, he, she claims him to be omniscient she, he, when she says, he knows my lowly situation. She calls his name holy, indicating his name's been set apart from all other names. He's merciful to all generations. He's powerful because he's shown strength with his arm. He's just and merciful when he exalts the lowly and the hungry at the expense of the haughty and the fool. He's benevolent. He's helped his servant Israel. He's faithful. He remembered his covenant. He's immutable in the sense that he doesn't change. So in this brief song, I mean, she describes the character of God better than some systematic theologians do. Like she, in, in more succinct, powerful, poignant. And this is a spontaneous song that, that begins to bubble out of her, something that she hasn't rehearsed. But how full of God do you have to be for that to be? I mean, I know I mean, when I, my spontaneous prayers are like, Lord Jesus, thank you, God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Father God, Father God, Father God, Lord Jesus, Father God, right? But her spontaneous prayer 
is this beautiful, theologically rich, sophisticated uh, song because of of a, a renewed focus, not on the perils of her situation, but on the potential that God has for her and the goodness of God. So she looks up. Secondly, she looks out. And I'm just about done here. And I don't think you asked for a sermon. I don't you know if I think we're supposed to talk about Christmas. So this just goes on my mind right now. Um, it's great stuff. She, she looks out. She says, years from now, all generations will call me blessed. Generations will call me blessed. Whenever I, you are struggling to find your joy, you have to remember you don't know the whole story yet. And if you look at your present, there are reasons to despair. If you looked at your past, there are definitely reasons to despair. But whenever you look towards your future, you see an unlimited potential for what God can do. And you really short sell yourself when your emotional well-being, when your emotional state is anchored only in the present and you don't allow yourself to dream for the future. She could see what I'm going through right now is going to cause me shame. But generations from now, people are going to call me blessed. Um, We see this play out in John's gospel. Jesus is delivering a teaching and his religious opponents, the Pharisees, they they tell him like they don't like what he has to say and they're rejoinder. They don't argue with what he's saying. They attack his character, which uh, I think it's like first century Twitter, right? Or, or Facebook or whatever. It's instead of, instead of addressing the argument, they, they assassinate the character and they say, well, we're not illegitimate children. And the underpin underlying uh, little jab there is, yeah, your mom was pregnant by the Holy spirit, quote unquote. Uh, there's this, there's this jab. So throughout Jesus' life and the rest of Mary's life, there's this, this shame that comes. So her generation did not call her blessed. Her generation called her shamed, but she wasn't looking at her generation. She was looking generations from now. They're going to call me blessed. Here we are in 2021. And we're, we're, we're celebrating the child that came through Mary and honoring and esteeming Mary for being, not just the mother of Jesus, but even in many ways, the mother of, of, of all of us, because it's in him that we live and move and have our being. And if, if she would not have said yes and been willing to take on the shame for us, then where would we be today? So whenever you're having a difficult time, time finding joy, it's looking up, getting your eyes off the situation at hand, and beginning to magnify God and just staying so full of God that you're, that you just, that it just bubbles out of you. Then there's also this sense of looking out and saying, you know, I don't know how, and I don't know when, I don't know why, but I do know that all things do work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And because I love the Lord, there will be a good outcome here. And there's something that's, that's happening through my situation uh, where I will, I will see the goodness of God in the situation. And, um, uh, Jesus, he shows us this too. The last thing I'll say, Amos, um, is in Hebrews 12, we're told that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. The cross was not a joyful experience, a shameful experience, a painful experience, humiliating experience. How did he endure it? By looking at the joy on the other side, by saying, you know what, 
because I'm doing this, there will be many people that we can call sons and daughters of God uh, because there's a joy on the other side. And so I would just encourage you to look, even if you can't find your joy right now, there's going to be a joy on the other side. I don't know what it looks like. I, I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's a joy on the other side of whatever you're going through. And so this season, because we live in the now and the not yet, let's not ignore the pain. Uh, let's leave some space for some sadness, but we don't despair like those who have no hope. We can look up to God. We can look out to our future and know that he's got it all taken care of. And Christmas is not just about the baby in the manger. It's also about the king coming on the clouds. And that's what gives us our ultimate hope is that no matter what happens in this life, our joy is secure, our hope is secure, our peace is secure, our love is secure because we're part of this grand story that ends with a conquering king and we're on his team. That's it. That's what I'm thinking about for Christmas, Amos. I know you <laughs> oh, think Christmas cookies and hot chocolate. Yes, exactly right. Those, exactly. Those right. are your thoughts. But <laughs> those are mine. <laughs> I, I I love that so much. That's so so powerful. You know, looking up, looking out, just having that intentional shift in our perspective, as well as uh, realizing that we're not anchored in the present, um, helps us say at the end of the day, no matter what God's asking us, that you know what, we trust you, God. Exactly yeah. what you say. That's what we're willing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's such a powerful thing. I know that, you know, um, immediately my heart's moved. I know that there are people who are listening today um, that have extenuating circumstances. There are people who have uh, some relational issues. There are people who have uh, no hope and, and no joy. Um, and, you know, whether whatever that's happened is something that happened to them or something that they've done or something maybe they're just experiencing right now. Um so I'd, I'd love for you to pray for us and, and anyone who's listening to the podcast today and uh, that maybe they haven't experienced joy or maybe there's maybe there is some um, fleeting joy that they've experienced. But we want to understand together how much that God loves us right now in the moment and that we can look up and look out and help us to change our perspective. Would you pray for us today? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for the time that we've had to, to share your word and the story of joy that you have to bring uh, so much joy. Matter of fact, I, uh, I know that in the scriptures we're told 250 times the word joy is used and 150 more times we're told to rejoice, but we look around at our world and it can be difficult to do that. And so God, we acknowledge our sadness. We acknowledge our brokenness. We acknowledge that things are not as they should be. Uh, we don't turn a blind eye to our brokenness or to the brokenness of our neighbors. But we do is instead we, we choose to look up to you, God, and we choose to worship you through whatever we're going through to see you as our coming King and to rejoice in all that you are and all that you've done for us. And as we do that, we notice that our problems are put into perspective because we serve a great God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to his riches and glory. So when we think about how rich you are and how glorious you are, God, it just, it just puts everything we're facing in perspective because we know that you are more than able to handle whatever is concerning us. So God, I ask that during this holiday season for those that are struggling with sadness, that you will lift their eyes up to the hills from where their help comes from, that they'll see you and the plan that you have for them, 
the plan of prosperity, the plan of abundance, the plan of being set in a secure and safe and prospering place. And as they fix their eyes on you and on their future, their hope will return, their joy will return, their peace will return. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and let us know on social media. For more great content from Destiny, check out destinyleaders.com. Let's do something great together.